Hey, Adam Smolcombe here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. Today, this weekend, being a significant weekend, being Juneteenth weekend, also being Father's Day, I feel like that is a collision of two elements that have set us up to have a dynamic conversation and continue the conversation by amplifying some specific voices. So today, we're gonna have a discussion with some fathers in our house. I'm gonna invite them to come out right now to the panel here. And if you're at home, you can go ahead and just welcome the fathers as they come out, these men of faith, great men of faith, as they come out and take their seats today. And I want you to, I want you to do something in fact. I don't want you to just go ahead and take your seat right now. Thank you, Vive Worship team. You guys were phenomenal today. We appreciate you so much. So go ahead and take your seats at home, in your living room, wherever you find yourself, where, we're gonna jump into a panel discussion. And as I said, today I really felt to amplify some specific voices. Some voices of, of some fathers in our house, in Vive House. As for me in my house, we will serve at Vive Church. And uh, I wanted to amplify the voices of these men, specifically because in this hour, what we are seeing, and we've chatted to this like not just you know, in, in settings with cameras, we've, we've chatted about this offline in conversations where we're talking about what we're seeing in this hour is a moment of change. We're seeing something different. We're seeing a potential for history to take a new course and take a new trajectory. And so what I'm excited about is we continue that conversation. I feel like what we need to see right now, and it's just a beautiful collision. I don't know if God planned this, Juneteenth weekend, Father's Day. Is Father's Day always on this weekend in America? Is it worldwide Father's Day? Let's say, we don't. let's just say yes. Happy Father's Day yes, across the globe. Whether you're in Italy or Australia or the US of A, we're so glad that you're a father and happy Father's Day to you. But, but the beauty of this weekend, being Juneteenth and Father's Day, I felt just the urge of the Holy Spirit to once again amplify specific voices. And we've got a diverse panel today. We've got a very diverse panel, which is a great snapshot of Vive Church. So the first thing I want to do is I kind of want to introduce you guys. I don't know if, if you're looking a little nervous right now, so you can just relax a little bit. The pressure's off. Just, yeah, just relax. It's all good. It's all good. Maybe we could start with you, Winston, because Winston, you are probably the most experienced father. Not probably. You are the most experienced father at this table. That's for sure. One of the most experienced fathers in our community. You have three, let's call them grown children. We'll even include Sill in that. And, uh, and, and I wanted to, you've got a beautiful wife, Melvina. Tell us about your family. Like you said, I have Melvina and three children. Two uh, close within two years. Yep. And 10 years later, I still popped up. 10 years later. Yes. Like a divine revelation moment. Like a bonus. <laughs> like a bonus. I like that. And, uh, and two of your kids are through college now. Is that right? One, one is finished. One's um, finished she, college. She's in um, Columbus, Ohio. A Columbus, okay. My son. Yes. The second is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, yep. And Seal is here with us. Seal is in the Silicon Valley and uh, doing really well too. So you kind of have pioneered for us. So we're going to lean into you today. But let me introduce the rest of these dads. We've got Keone here, yep. husband to Tasha. Natasha. And uh, you've got two daughters and now a brand new boy as well. Oh, yeah. Just adding yeah, some arrows yeah, to that quiver. Yeah. Uh, the 
The quiver is full, man. <laughs> the quiver is full. full. Mine, my personal one, fits three. There you well, go. We're good. I thought it only fit two, and then Takeo came out. And a bonus. Another, a bonus arrow. So <laughs> there we go. A bonus arrow. And Takeo. Takeo, my man. What a handsome young man. Stud. And beautiful girls you have. Also, we've got Squint. Squint's on the panel today. Welcome back, Squint. You've been on panels before, along with Keone, along with Mehdi. Mehdi's been on panels before in the history of our church. But Squint, you're a husband, and Natalia is amazing to, to be your wife. And you've got three beautiful boys, like three handsome boys. Thank goodness for Natalia. Amen? <laughs> I might take credit for the last one. Okay, you, you know, take credit um, for the last yeah. one. Right. But the last panel, I, I just need to clear something up. Like okay. I said, if I have another boy, I'm going to name him Wolverine. You did say that, and actually. I had another boy, so um, I'm done with kids. So let me just say that at this panel. So, um, But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have three um, strong-willed boys. <laughs> three strong-willed boys, especially Wolverine. And uh, Mehdi. Mehdi Hassan, who really has been a part of our church right from the beginning. From the beginning. That, that took a lot of faith, Mehdi. And uh, your beautiful wife, Dora, who we love. And you got two boys. Man, dad. Man, dad. I got Logan and Declan, three years old and two years old. We didn't plan properly, but we got two boys very close in age. Dora's my rock. Uh, amazing. Just got to convince her to give me number three. I'm ready. I want a baby girl. I feel like, I feel like it's time. You it's need, time. To, you oh, need yeah. to feel like there's, ready. A, there's a pattern of three yep. happening careful. at the table. Got to be careful, I know. So, so, you know, don't get too close. It's not coronavirus, but yeah. it is, is extra babies. You might get pregnant today. So what I want to do is I want to kind of use this platform and I want to lean into these men today. And I feel like what I want to speak about specifically today is the idea of fatherhood. And in preparation for this, I named this panel The Fight for Fatherhood. The Fight for Fatherhood. Because I honestly feel that if anything is a fight, in my opinion, we need to fight for fatherhood in this day and in this hour. And I want to kind of set us up right. So I'm going to go to some scripture. And in Ephesians, we're going to find a, a passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 6. Now, some of you already, all the Bible people at home already know, you're already, oh, I know what he's going to say, he's going to talk about honouring your mother and father. Yes, I am, and you're a great Bible student, but bear with me, because as you would know, it would say this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Now we all pretty much know that passage. You know, we've all heard that passage before. And this is Paul literally revealing that if as, as, a, as a child, as a son or as a daughter, there is a principle at work here with a promise that if you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you just in life. Now, I don't know if Paul was saying there's some magic in the sense of honouring your father and mother. I know there's power in honour, but I think he just knew that if you can't honour your mother and father, you're not going to honour a boss. You're not going to honour a co-worker. You're not going to honour a complete stranger if you can't even have honour in your home. And so Paul knew the principle of that. And I think every parent has maybe, maybe not, not of your, because you've got like young kids and that kind of stuff. But for, for Winston and I, every parent that's gone through teenagehood has probably used this at one point or other. Like honor, the Bible says, honor your mother and father. And that's powerful, you know, as a parent's perspective, but it can often be problematic as a child, especially if you're in a, an environment with parents that don't seem worthy of honor. 
I mean, let's be real. Let's talk about the fact that not every household is a picture-perfect home with a great father figure, great mother figure. There is a lot of broken homes, a lot of fragmented homes. We, we have a lot of people within our community that deal with abuse and different things like that. So, so this passage can sometimes be, be taken or hard to digest. In fact, a lot of the pastoring I do is people like, who will say to me, how do I honour my parents when they've abused, hurt, or reject? Am I just meant to just honour them anyway? Well, Paul doesn't stop there. Paul goes on to say this in verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. This is so important for Paul to speak. And I feel like the first few verses are always taken without the last verse for there, where, where Paul is saying, oh yeah, no, only your, your mother and father, but now let me also speak to fathers and mothers, be honourable. Like if this is going to work, it can't just be a one-way expectation. You have to live a life and you have to father or mother or parent in a way that produces or invokes that kind of honor. And I'd love that to be the starting place of our conversation because I feel like we have a lot of fathers that don't understand the calling of fatherhood. Because anybody can be a dad. Anybody from a one-night stand can be a dad but it's a calling to be a father. I wanna talk to you about what it looks like or what is it when we talk about the fight for fatherhood, I wonder what that means for you guys. Who who wants to go first? Winston? Well, sometimes we go into identity. We we have our own identity and when we're parenting our children, we wanna impose our vision. What's our vision for? Wow. Kids. Yes. And then it comes to tension where as the kid go or children go, they have their own personality. Right. And they want to be what they're called to be. Isn't that fascinating when you begin to see the personality of your kid start to come out? And it happens young, right? Like it doesn't happen just like when they become an adult. Like it happens from like three, yeah. maybe even two. So, so, so you see, you're saying you see the personality and it's your job not to impose your personality, but to draw out their personality. Yes. I like yes. that. Especially if you have... Um, Strong-willed? Strong-willed, <laughs> just like yourself. Right, exactly. Because the apple does not fall sometimes far from, from the tree. tree. <laughs> I mean, that's so true. I think that's a, scary, that's a scary day. Not just, I mean, it's a great day when you start to see your kid's personality, but when you start seeing yourself in your kids and the decisions they make, sometimes that causes you to check yourself. What about you guys, the fight for fatherhood, Mehdi? What, what does that mean for you? For me, it's just that daily reminder, like it's, I have a responsibility to my kids, to my wife, to always be there. I mean, I see it around me so much, like with people I grew up with and just in general, like you see out there in the media, like fathers are dropping like flies. And so right. I need to make sure like I carry my weight in what I'm gonna do for them. Like I gotta be a strong husband to my wife. Mother's equally as important as a father. I got to be a strong father to my kids and just think about it on a daily basis. Like there's going to be distractions. There's going to be opportunities to make mistakes, but just remembering like I owe this to them to Mm. be this whole person, to keep this family together, to be that leader in the household. And so for me, it's just that daily fight. Like I just want to make sure at the top of my mind, I start my day off with like, these are my boys. This is my wife. Like today's going to be a good day. I'm going to stay clear from distractions, infidelity, substances, all that. Just like focus on this because it's my job to keep this together. Right. Wow. I like that. That's powerful. That's so you see it, the fight for that responsibility and that mandate as a father. 
Squint, talk to us. Fight for fatherhood. What does that trigger in your mind? Um, for me, raising three boys, like, I don't want them to be competitive toward one another. Right. And so, like, when I leave, I say, hey, you're the man of the house. And, and I tell the younger brother, hey, protect your brother. Make sure he's safe, you, you know? Go. So, like, just they understand, like, you know, because it is, as the head of the house, like, I am their hero. You right. know, like, there's so many different things. Like, they emulate everything that I do, you know, and they want to you know they, they just have a I, in my opinion I feel like fathers are the focal point of everyone sure. like either you want to be just like them or you don't want to be like them and so to see my sons have a desire to follow in my footsteps like I have a big responsibility and that's a job that I take as like out of anything that I've ever accomplished or done fatherhood has always been everything to me and so it's a job that like I thank God for and I really take it serious and, and I encourage like just with my children like to know who they are in God, like not to put my own insecurities or my own fears on them because the times change. Like I came from um, the fathers that, that raised us, they didn't necessarily know what they were doing because they right. weren't embraced by love or affection or honesty, you know, so there's no transparency. Like, so with my kids, if, I'm, if I blow it, I tell them like, I was wrong in this area. I wanna help you grow and you know, and, and it's interesting you brought that scripture about provoking to anger because there's another scripture that talks about us provoking one another to love. And so right, exactly. as a father, like I want to provoke my children to love and not have a resentment because if I set a bad example for them as they get older, they're gonna find themselves being far from what I'm establishing. So I right. want them to embrace the things of God, embrace, you know, so my, my words have more weight to them. You wow. Know? Yeah. So, you, so the fight for fatherhood is in many ways, if I could summarize that beautiful uh, sentence, is a fight to understand the significance of your role. Exactly. Like, because sometimes it can be so automatic fatherhood. Do you know what I mean? It starts in passion and ends up with responsibility. But sometimes we miss the significance of the calling of that role as a father. Yeah. I like that. Can you give, give me your thoughts? Fight for fatherhood. What does that mean for you? Um, I think I would tie it back to the psalm you brought up about the, the quiver, the arrows. Yep. The one right before where it says, you know, children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. Yep. Like, first off, how dope is that? Now it's you're so, a warrior. pretty cool. Now you're a warrior. Right. But also you have a responsibility to make sure the archer. Hey, shoot straight. Making sure the, uh, the arrow. Yeah. It's crafted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crafted nice. The the shaft or spine, yep. the, yep. all of it. The, the tip the sharp. The tip is sharp. Because if, you, if you're shooting, we're just using this analogy. Yeah. If you're shooting a, a, a beautifully crafted arrow from a janky, right. broke down bow because right. you haven't fixed Ooh, inside wow. what you have like going on. Wow. You're going to miss the mark, man. Wow. So I think like with that one, our, our aim is like, or our bullseye is like, you know, God's will for them, you know? So I like, you yeah. Being a warrior for them, man. man I want to. I want to just like simmer there for a moment, because <laughs> I feel like you just opened up something and you just like gonna drop it. Oh yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Now we go. <laughs> so talk to us a bit more. How do we do that? Because, okay, how do you do that? Can I? Can I just not just yeah, we? Yeah. Can you tell me how you do that yeah, as so, a father, shapen and sharpen? Absolutely. So we, I mean, obviously we fail every day. Oh, I'll speak for me. Right. I fail the fatherhood thing every single day. Right. I drop the ball. But I think it's just, you know, realizing, like he said, your responsibility to these kids and, and like really not being a hypocrite, hypocrite doing the, the, the parenting, not the do as I say, right. not as I do right. thing for me is a passive parenting technique. Sure, of course. For me, not to put that on anyone else. 
But like they want to see you do these actions. Yes. You know what I mean? So yes. making sure the archer's good, again, the archer and the bow, like making sure you're strong for them. Right. So that when you build that foundation for them, you shoot them out into the uh -huh. world. They hitting bullseyes. Uh-huh. We're not missing the mark. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, we'll have stumbles and falls and all that, but I, I think it starts with you and like building yourself up to be the best for them. That's amazing. So let's talk about this then. We're talking about this calling of fatherhood. And, um, and I'm guaranteed there are so many different uh, perspectives of fathering, different practices of fathering that we have, not just within our community, but this is on YouTube. So this is, this is going to be picked up by people who probably have, you know, searched for how, to, how do I father? How do I parent? Mehdi, give us some thoughts from your background. You know, uh, you grew up in, in a different setting, you know, and, and, and so just give us, maybe just give us some thoughts on how do you take what you saw as your mandate to be a great father, where did you learn that, and how do you adapt that? Yeah, for me, I mean, there was definitely some amazing things that I learned from my father. Just one of the big key differences was I grew up Muslim, right? He was a Muslim father, and so, like, a lot of the life I live today would probably not be kosher, not be okay with, and so I had to take some of those things, but then also, like, try and shield my kids, but in a way where I'm going to do it confidently. Right. There's a lot of things that I have in my family, my previous history that I know are going to carry into what my kids are going to experience as they get older because that's who their cousins are, that's who their aunts and uncles are. They come from that Muslim background and it, it can be a little bit scary. Like we've always been the, 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 the odd ones out essentially in our family. And I don't want them to ever feel like that. Like I got to just give them that confidence as they grow up. Like we belong. This is us. Like our identity is in Christ. This is who we are. And me and Dora's like responsibilities to model that as well as we can. And again, bring me back to that responsibility of like, I need to make sure that I am being that image for them to look up to. Like I can't be a hypocrite where I say one thing and do another. Right. So trying to remind myself on a daily basis, like I got to make sure that they know by showing them that I'm confident in who I am, where I came from, and who I want to be, and wow. let them see it that way. So you're taking things that you did see, you're taking the best, mm -hmm. but you're not taking everything. Right. There, there are certain things that you take as a, as a father. I feel like this is going to be helpful for people because sometimes you think, I didn't have the best image of fathering. How do I know how to be a father? Well, what is the elements that you want to take, and what do you want to say, no, that's not what I want to keep perpetuating in my kids? Let's talk about that. I feel like we're the Holy Spirit's leading us to, to step into also taking the idea of fathering into the current climate in our society right now. We are seeing a breakthrough in social injustice. We're seeing it with racial uh, prejudice. We're seeing that exposed. Week one of this panel, uh, Pastor Rob, he, he mentioned something. He said that as a young boy, he had the talk. Okay, the talk. I didn't know what the talk was, okay? But I came to learn that in the black community, there is a parenting talk to prepare your black son or black daughter for society, for prejudice, for expectations, so they're not surprised, you know, how to prepare themselves when a police officer comes, all those kinds of things. And, and, and I think there are many different kinds of talks that different races and cultures have. But maybe I could lean into to Winston just for a moment You've, you've navigated your kids through a level of life successfully, okay? How do we accurately teach our kids history? How do we teach them about the past and the real world and what it's like as we send them out into the world? But yet at the same time, how do we not keep, cause them to be jaded or create a negative mindset or even an inferiority or a minority mindset as they step out into the world. What does that look like? What's that balance? I, I try to instill in my children that 
It starts from within. It takes one. One person can make a difference. Wow. And you start building within you, and then it reaches out. You don't expect the world to change, then you change. Wow. It's for you to be that change. Wow, that's And cool. I notice that for black people, we tend to feel that we have to pay the, the black tax. Wow. Because for us to emerge, you have to do twice wow. what others are doing so that you can measure up. Wow. And we try to instill in us children that you can't afford to be lazy. You have to work and earn what you, you get in life. And it has a, a double, double measure of effort that we require. So you're using the, the fact that this is a reality. You're going to have to work harder. We'll just call it a black tax. Because yes. there is already a deficit that you have to work from. But instead of causing that to be fear, you're channeling that towards energy. Which, to some extent, is effort, effort, which can be defeating, because we should rely on grace right. rather than effort. Right. But still, you have to put in that work. Right. And it requires us also to have faith and yes. love. Wow. Because we're going out there, there will be people who will be hostile or unfriendly or treat you unfairly. Sure. And you still have to keep moving. Shrug it off. Right. Strong and move, move on. Wow, so building a robustness in there. Yes. Talk to me from your perspective, Squint. You've got three young men that you're raising in society. And I think it's not just what we're, what we're learning over this. Really, I guess this season is what's becoming aware to non-black people even more is that the history has still been present. The prejudice has still been there. But I think we're navigating not just in racial tense times, there is, for, for men here, I mean, if you've got daughters and you've got sons, we're seeing, you know, how much society has changed towards so many different moralistic value changes and all those kinds of things. How are you making your kids aware? What do those conversations look like? Because your boys are still young. And how do you prepare them and equip them to still be confident running into the future? I mean, it started for my kids early, like out the gate, because... Um, the way my father instilled it with me wasn't like, hey, let me sit you down and talk. It was like on-the-job training. Like, I'm being treated like this. He, he, we're from Palo Alto, so for him to be treated the way that he was working in the heart of Silicon Valley just because of the color of his skin and being accused for things that he wasn't, like, um, he didn't do. He didn't do you right. know, and so for him to fight in the turmoil that it affected, like, had on our family, like, out the gate, I told my kids, like, don't look for validation from the rest of the world. Like, one, you're God's children, and two, like, you're my sons. So we share the same name. You know, like, all my kids have Christopher Sandifer or Chris Sa Christian Sandifer, like, right. because that name means believer in Christ and follow after God. So I've already committed them to God already, and I told them, like, you don't have to look for validation from the rest of the world. Like, you guys are leaders. If you're one out of a billion, so be it. But understand, like, there are going to be things that will come your way. I mean, that's not just for blacks, that's across the board. It, the Bible says that, like in this world you have tribulation. So I tell my kids like, you gotta work hard, you, you know, um, but don't be afraid of it. And you will achieve everything that you set your heart to do. And um, I'm constantly encouraging them to know like, despite what anyone says, like how we view them and how God views them is more important. And so 
We've had to do that at an early age, and they, they walk with a certain type of confidence in knowing, like, this is who I am, yes. you know? I love that so much because what we have is the reality of life. We can't change that. There is going to be people who don't like you as you walk out into the world. There are going to be people who are going to judge you, accuse you. There are going to be obstacles. And that isn't just limited to a particular race. There is just, there is a dog-eat-dog world that we're training our kids for. But yet what you're illuminating is sometimes the fight for fatherhood is that fight to know your heavenly father, your calling in Christ, and to have that advantage as well. Maddie, can you illuminate that a little bit more? Because I know you pray with your boys and they're just young and you lead them. How do you get them to identify with the father and have a healthy perspective of father when sometimes people don't grow up with that healthy perspective? Yep, I think it starts right now. Like it's the investment we make right now will determine what happens later. Like I think of the analogy of like a tree that produces fruit. By the time the fruit is ripe and ready, it's too late at that point to make adjustments. It all starts with what you're doing, investing in it, watering it, yep. taking care of the tree. And so me and Dora have committed, like we have to raise our kids in a house of God with Christ at the center of everything that we do so that when that time comes, when they're exposed to the world, of course we want them to know what's going on and teach them that. But by then, they'll already have that foundation to make their own decisions and to be prepped and ready to understand, like, we come from a place of love. Right. And this is how you need to respond to these things that are happening to you. Right. I love that. And, and Keone, you were talking about failures. <laughs> You're like, hey, I fail every, every day. day. That's like being humbled by your child. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's crazy. I, not my proudest moment, but we were... Um, looking, we were going house hunting or whatever, and we had Takeo, brand new in the back, crying his head off. Kobe's laughing at him. I lose it. I'm like, what? Help him. Go off. She starts crying. I'm like, oh my God. Right. The, the ball has been dropped. I was yeah. like, I just lost Drop it the ball. on you. And then having to go back and like humble yourself and apologize to them to like, I, one of you were saying like, to show like, yeah, I messed up. And then actually own up to it so they see like wow. oh there's responsibility here like you're not just telling me to not do wrong wow. things and and like you ain't taking responsibility so yeah i think that just just being the full example right yep. and wrong yes. like and and exposing them to that is super important so that is important and i think that is an aspect of of illuminating i love that hey i fail all the time I agree with you. There is nothing, you know, more vulnerable for me being a pastor and I'm worried about a situation and my daughters are reminding me, dad, do we pray? Like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. I would have told people that, of course. But, but there is a beautiful example of, of fathering doesn't mean you have to have it all together. It doesn't mean you have to be a perfect, victorious example of fathering. But even in your weakness, could you have the humility to reveal Christ, His grace, His forgiveness, His mercy, and be a, a window to Jesus, to be a window to the Father? Maybe let's talk about that then. Because we didn't, I didn't call professional fathers to the panel. I didn't call you because you had a resume or you, you know, you've done it perfectly. In fact, people ask me sometimes, when are you going to write a parenting book? I'll tell you when I get them through kids, you know, once I get to the other side. And uh, then I learn from Winston. But maybe instead of acting professionals, like because we know we're not, instead of even talking from our victories, maybe we could talk from our mistakes. I feel like that could be helpful to some people out here in the in the season of how to be a parent, how to be a father, how do I navigate this? I love to learn from mistakes. And you know, we have a brotherhood here and we talk about our mistakes all the time. And I feel like that's often the most helpful thing, not just to have a fatherhood, but a brotherhood. Winston, 
Do you have, have you ever made any mistakes as a dad? <laughs> so many, so many. Um, right now, I'm trying to build a bridge with my son in Charlotte. Okay. We have a chat on family chat. Yep. But I don't get to hear his voice all the time. Right. And I would like to have that going on every every week at least. Sure. To constantly talk on the phone or FaceTime rather than just text family, fam, family group chat. Right. And I feel that is my, my failure there in that aspect that I didn't cultivate right. that one-on-one -on -one talk constantly. And now it's a difficult... To establish now to establish. because it wasn't a pattern yes. that you cultivated, which I think is the beautiful perspective that we get to draw from you, Winston, having a lot longer run in this game of fatherhood. Like you've been in this game a lot longer than we have, and you're, you're now learning, seeing the fruit of what you cultivate when they're these guys' kids' age to see how that, what that produces even as young adults as they enter into the world. And what you're seeing now is, man, if I could go back and do one thing, I would have, what, enhanced the communication. Is that what you're saying? Yes, certainly. And in all fairness, we, we have all different personalities. Sure. Like uh, my son, when I'm working on the car, I will call him, come and help me change the style replace the tire or do some work here. Right. But he's glued to the TV. <laughs> he's not a te techie right. person. So he's rather sitting in the living room watching TV and not using his hands. Right. So we didn't have that time more to do certain things in common. Sure. Got you. could have been a cementing or bonding opportunity. Oh, wow. That's powerful. Maybe Kony, give us some thoughts I mean, you, you admitted it. You make mistakes. All the time. All Give me something time. that you've learned from that, that you would shift or change or is illuminated to you. Mm. I think it's just having grace for them the same way like God has grace for us. Wow. Because, again, that, that turns like th there's nothing worse than being a hypocrite, right? Mm -hmm. So you get all this grace, all this grace, they mess up once you blow up. And you're like, oh. Like, then you have to go back, apologize, show you were wrong, all that. Yep. Like, instead of, like, I, we were talking about it earlier, taking a little time to, like, digest the situation. And instead of going into it, like, full head of steam, like, really understanding, like, it's a six-year-old and yeah. an eight-year-old. Like, these are children who right. are going to make mistakes. And, like, to have that grace for them the same way we get it from God is, I think, like, something I'm learning, trying to get down. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take. It's difficult to do, right? Because this is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. He's like, it's easy to expect something from your kids, mm. but are you prepared to be that? Right. And having that, that image of grace and being gracious parent, that's, that's always difficult to remember in the moment. How do we go back and be that person? Like, like if we're talking to dads right now that feel like they've boxed themselves in, that they've boxed themselves into a certain persona, even in their family. How do they shift that perspective, even if they have the desire but don't know how to? Mehdi? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Um, I think one of the cool things about being a Christian is, like, you always have a clear playing field. Like, you always have the ability of grace. And so no matter what mistakes you make, no matter where you get stuck, like, you always have the opportunity for that clean slate to begin over and create a new pathway to what you want to do. Like, for me, like, the first year of being a father, I remember uh, I had the idea of like the title of a father, 
father being a noun, but I dropped the ball as like the verb, like fathering and, wow. you know, having a wife who calls you out on that, Dora, yeah. she definitely did. And I was training for like triathlon and going golfing, still hanging out with my friends, thinking like, oh, like this cool, Dora got it. Oh man, she checked me hard and yep. she reminded me like, yeah, he, he's your son, but he also needs you to be his father. Wow. And so that checked me at my heart. Like, okay, I need to not only just be his father, but I need to father him through this and be there for him. And I've been trying to remember that all along since the last couple of years. Wow, that's powerful to know that I am a father and that comes with that responsibility. Uh, Squint, talk to us about coming from, from your perspective in what does that mean primarily to be the father? What have you learned through, through your mistakes, maybe your hurdles, your pitfalls, and how have you determined, because you're a great father. I'm not gonna lie, all you guys are great fathers. We're talking about, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing out all your mistakes, but honestly, <laughs> you guys are, are dynamic fathers. But how have you learned that? Um, honestly, like, I know we're in a church setting, but it's impossible for me to learn that without the gospel, without learning, like right. actually educating myself because um, I lost my father when he was 20, when I was 20. And so it's like that turning point of manhood when I, I felt like I needed him the most, he dies. And so I was like so afraid to go out to the world. And so, so I would pick and choose from like different men that I saw but I really didn't have the greatest examples. I'll be honest with you. Like, and so I took a little bit from here, a little bit from here, you know, and I had some, some good men in, uh, um, that stepped up into my life and became good mentors um, and good father figures. Um, so for me, like just admission when you're wrong, you know, like to, to, to show them like, I, I'm not, I don't have all the answers right here, but grow with me as I'm growing with you. And also like, I tell my kids like, like you inspired me. So I'm gonna try my best to, you know, grow in these areas and I fall short, you know? And, and um, I, I think when you show that perspective of how important fatherhood is, like, and, and to show them a well-rounded, like my kids see that I love their mother, you know? Like um, they see like the interaction, they, they, I can't say, you know, if I want them to grow up and marry godly women, like I need to, display that to my wife yes. I have to display that and so like there are times where and, and like he only said like they're kids so you got you have to have that grace for them and there are many times when they're like having a meltdown and I snapped like sometimes you're like I'm not gonna go back and forth with them I would advise every father if your kid just starts going crazy just grab them start playing with them start tickling them and they're like what is going <laughs> on you know and and it helps them like just align to know like hey whatever I'm going through the dad, my father's love is there, you know? And I know it sounds crazy, but just spending time and not being frustrated and projecting your own insecurities of the world's societies, the world's demands uh, on your children, but to actually like give them a father, like give them the love and the full, like the way God embraces us and shows joy, we should do the same thing for our kids. So not projecting your insecurities, your fears onto them, which yeah. is such a, I feel like that's automatic. I feel like if anything is automatic, it's just just projecting what you didn't have or, you know, or who you weren't or the things you didn't get. And it's almost can come through in this, you should be grateful for what you've got. I didn't get any of this. And sometimes even that, you catch yourself afterwards and go, why am I even saying that? Like, I'm glad they didn't have to put up with what I put up with. I'm glad they didn't have to break through what I had to break through. That's why I broke through. How do we do that? and not project onto our kids. I feel like this is such a helpful thing. I mean, we're talking about not projecting fears, but how do we not project, like how do we discipline kids 
but not projected in a harmful way. I, I, I want to make this so mechanical that it actually becomes helpful today. And I know that this, this is church, as you said, you reminded everyone we're talking about church, but I, I also want to make it helpful because I feel like when you can't talk about fathering without guidance, without discipline, and without direction, but how do you do discipline without projecting your hurts on them? Yeah, I learned this the hard way. Like, I think when I was, I'm from a family of fighters, so. Right. And I was not the greatest child growing up, so like I probably got more, uh, sure. to be politically correct, disciplined more than most. Um, but I realized like as I've gotten older, I took that same effect when I would blow it in God's eyes. I'm like, man, does he really love me? Right. You know, and, and you're afraid because you got in trouble for, for wrong. And one thing that I know, like whenever God disciplines you, there's always peace after. Like mm. he chastises you, but he embraces you with love to reestablish and reconnect. And so I think it's important that you explain to your children, like, man, like when you've blown it, you know, like you might move, lose some privileges. You might be disciplined, but to know that they're still loving, like they should never have to question, do you love me? You know, like God never does that. And I know wow. that's really hard because I grew up at where it's like, I'm always in trouble. And so I took that out in the world. I'm always looking for like, man, you know, and, it, and it, it can affect your relationships where it's like ultimatum, like do this or we're not gonna be friends anymore. It's like, no, like not everyone thinks that way. And so, you know, I think- and I love that you know. to know that, hey, I love you afterwards. In fact, I think we need to rewire some men's minds to help them know that you love your kids by discipline. Discipline shows that you love them. If you don't love them, you don't discipline. Yeah. You let them go and do whatever they want, become whatever they want, automatically influenced by the world. But yet I am seeing this, and maybe it's a pastor's perspective. I don't know if you guys see this, but I am seeing a generation of, of dads, of fathers who are too afraid to step in and discipline, who are too afraid. And maybe it's just the societal uh, sway that we're in where it's like, you know, men are now passive, even in chivalry, you know, opening door because they don't want to, you know, I know you're an independent woman or whatever, but I don't, but I mean, chivalry's dying. I feel like fatherhood is dying as well, where we've got fathers who are passive. How do we be actively disciplining what does that look like what does discipline even look like in a modern setting and we've got some different perspectives here we've got more of an older school perspective i know what you did uh we've got some some boys and girls like there's just different kinds of discipline techniques it, help us out yeah it's it's almost i mean it's about the same boys and girls okay. like they still get same. you know we in someone we call it sasa you know sasa okay <laughs> um yeah yep. but i think squint hit it on the head like after you do it and you don't do it in in that angry moment. Okay. After you do it, you explain like you you know why you got that, right? And if they don't understand, you explain it to them. Right. Right? And like it, literally what he was saying, like explaining, like, that doesn't mean I don't love you. Like I had to teach you that's wrong. Right. You know what I mean? This there's a right way to do things, there's a wrong way, and doing the wrong thing has repercussions. Sure. Whether I be, you know, sasa, I don't I don't do timeout. Um, yep. But yeah, however you discipline your kids, I think just explaining to them why. Right. Like, why did that happen? And then reaffirming that but love. But that takes effort. It's a perfect, perfect word. That takes effort. You said, how do we discipline our kids in a time like this? Like, you, you make the effort to do it. That's, a, you know, that's, that's key. Yeah, you, you hit it right on the Because I feel like I see different settings where the kid's acting out and you can tell, I've done this so many times, I don't even have the energy right now. I'm just going to let them, you know, create that habit. But if they just put the effort in because they love them, that would actually start to create behaviors. Winston, talk to us fr from your perspective. I, I, first of all, want my child to understand what the issue is, what the problem is, 
and knowing them, I would take something away and give them the opportunity to earn it back. So it's like the carrot and the stick. This is what you did, and these are the consequences, but this is what you can get back in return if you start getting back into the path that we see is most right, rightly your, your place. Right. So my wife sometimes will take my kids' toys and said, I'm going to throw this all in the garbage and you'll never, ever see it anymore. I will caution her, no, don't do that. Let's give them time that, yes, we'll take it for, for now, but you can start earning back your stuff so that you have some hope. I love that. It's not just... So you're instilling hope yes. in the discipline. And there are so many techniques, I'm sure we talk about different home, and I think I, I don't think there is one right way, one wrong way. I think you've got to put a filter of, I love my kids, and I want to father, I want to teach them. And I, as you guys are talking, I'm sitting here realizing there's probably people on the other side of these screens saying, man, I wish I had a dad like that. I wish I had a dad that thought that much about fathering. That, that was so intentional with fathering. Just even hearing the way you are shaping your thoughts, it obviously comes from a beautiful place. How do we help people who have had such a negative perspective of fathering that it hasn't felt like a loving home, it's felt like a prison? How would we help them in redeeming their perspective of fathering? Because I'm sure it's prohibiting them from even taking that stepping in, step into fatherhood. Maybe give us some thoughts. Yeah, I mean, like, for me, this is super relevant because I grew up, again, like, in a Muslim family. It was very strict. My dad would discipline us, like, out of fear. And so I always grew up as a kid, like, fear is the basis to why I won't do something or why I want to hide. Sometimes, you know, he would grab his hand or raise his hand to grab the remote and I'd flinch, you know, and just because I had that entrained in me. But I think when I became Christian, my heart reset and I learned that this is all about love like leading with love. And so I've taken that now, I've corrected my own inside thoughts on like what my approach is to here. And I filter what I got through my dad of like the love and discipline that he just wasn't able to show in the way that I wanna do it for my kids. And so just kind of taking that and being the rock and being the foundation to making sure that when I discipline my kids, I do it because I love them, but they see that I love them. And so it's never gonna be in the heat of the moment. You actually taught me this a couple of years ago before I even had kids, but like when you snap like, do not discipline in that moment. You stop, you leave the room, you take a breath, you come back and you do it when your heart is checked and is clear because it's not gonna help anyone if you come in with anger. They're just gonna grow up in the same way I did out of fear. So they see it in your heart like, oh man, like he's, he's teaching me this. Like my kids are still really young. So a lot of what I say is not gonna stick with them, but it's also creating a, a routine and a habit for me yes. to, to raise them in this way. Like Logan is gonna see like, okay, my dad is upset right now, but he's still hugging me. Still, like this whole tickling thing, it works like magic. Right. You can be really mad at your kid and you just love them right after you're done disciplining them and then things are back to normal. Like, oh, okay, like I didn't lose my dad or he's not mad at me. Like yeah. where I'm done with him. Like he's always gonna be there for me and he's just looking out for me, trying to watch out. I love hearing that because we've got such a, a, a wide range of not just fa uh, fathering styles, but different uh, fathering that we've been under, absent fathers, sometimes negative fathers, but what I have learned through so many different seasons is not just a great example of a father is the way to be a great father, 
that you can even take a negative example and, and know what I don't want to be because I know how that feels. And I love that no matter what our parents were like, we do have a beautiful example of a loving father in our godly father that there is so much of that and, and you know I wish we could keep this conversation going for ages because I know what we've talked about and whether it's been on the golf course or wherever we've been chatting we're talking about fatherhood and just hearing you guys talk about the your your perspective of God the Father and and whenever I talk you Keone it's like this revelation of grace I know who I was but man if God loves me how can I not love my kids and I would encourage people in this season, we're continuing a conversation and we're taking different routes. We're taking different avenues to expand the conversation so that we don't have to live under a mindset. I feel like this is one of the things that God wants to do in this hour is He wants to free people from an old mindset to know that you are free. The Bible says, whomever the sun sets free is free indeed. That means there is no captivity left. There is no slavery left. You are free, but yet you can walk still with a slave mentality with a, with a limited mindset. And yet to really release that, you actually have to understand the Father's perspective of you. And I think when you do that, that's when you can actually release the kind of love and redemption towards your kids and to a whole generation. I think if we're gonna see a whole generation walk differently, I'm talking about black, non-black, I'm talking about a whole society is gonna come from the role of a father in the home unlocking thoughts of prejudice, unlocking limitation mindsets and setting people free through the way that they act, the way they talk and the way they lead in the home. And I feel even right now, this is probably confronting some people because you're hearing what we're saying, you're hearing what these guys are sharing, but in your heart, you're still saying, yeah, but, but you don't know my family setting. You don't know my home setting. You don't know what my father did to me, who he was or who he wasn't. And you're right, I don't know. But I do know that God wants to redeem even the worst perspectives and experiences by revealing His perfect love to you. I love that song we were singing earlier, Waymaker. Waymaker. What a beautiful song because it describes that is who you are. And sometimes you've got to change your perspective of who God is because you've filtered Him through your earthly father figure. Even as good as your earthly father may have been, He ain't gonna be nearly as good as God is, God the Father. And sometimes we need to stop looking at God the Father through our earthly failures or, or frailties or even our own self and get a real de real-time definition of who the Father is. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.